Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Good morning, church. So good to be together. All right, it is six hot weeks of summer, so I thought it would be fitting to begin our time together with a story from the summer of 2006. Summer of 2006 was a special time in my life because I was a few weeks into dating this beautiful gal named Katie. Sneak peek, that's my wife today, if you want to know how the story ends. We're a few weeks in, and at the time of my life, I'm working part-time at a local church and part-time at a local restaurant. It was Primo's Pizza, finest pizza you could get in a five-mile radius to where I was working. And uh, so there I am, I'm working, and Katie decides to bring her parents in to my establishment. And so there we are. I've barely had some interactions with them, and I am not going to be their waiter of their table. They take their seats, and as you can imagine, I begin to get a bit nervous. Like, I really want to impress these people. I really liked their daughter. And so I, I kind of get my little notepad out, and I start taking their order. I get all their drinks and appetizers in, and I go back to the computer. I punch it all in, and uh, within moments, I have all the drinks ready. I have three waters, two beers, and a Pepsi ready, and a side salad. Now, what you have to know about a waiter, anybody here worked in a restaurant before? Come on. Everybody should work in a restaurant at one point in their life. The thing you have to know about a waiter is like the way that they try to impress people is what? Is by how much they can stack on that tray. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, it's like you try to act humble. It's no big deal. Spins it around, brings it down. You've all seen waiters doing an amazing job. So I decided I'm bringing everything out in one hole, okay? Like this, and I, I've been doing this for a while zero, like incredible track record, nothing to worry about. Stack up the six beverages and a salad and uh, come on over to the table. And I think uh, the distractions got the best of me. And all of a sudden I start to lose it. You guys know that? I, I, it's just, it's wobbling. And there's like a moment where you're like, oh, are they gonna get it? And it wobbles, it wobbles. And the whole thing comes crashing down, not just right in front of them, but right on top of my uh, wife's or my girlfriend's mother. All right. That was the introduction to Dave Navarra at his finest. Now, just to kind of give you a little like, yeah, sneak peek, we celebrate 12 years of marriage next Sunday. So we like, we made it, friends. Uh, there was grace. She was forgiving. I think she was hoping I'd stick with the church, not the whole waiting tables thing. But I'll say this, distractions are actually kind of a dangerous thing in relationships. Can we not agree? Like being inside your mind, being somewhere else, being distracted can cause some problems in relationships. And today I want to talk about how we can help our relationships, our most important relationship between us and Jesus grow stronger. That is, as a pastor, probably my greatest ambition and hope is to help you and I have a stronger relationship with Christ, like a more vibrant, healthy, growing relationship. Now, to do that, to dig into that, you're like, hey, we're probably talking about like the bedrock of a relationship, communication. Kind of, but not really. We're gonna talk about the thing that gets in the way of your communication, and that is distractions. I think distractions are constantly at fault for robbing us of the greatest uh, potential our relationships could have. And to be honest with you, just a moment of transparency, I ironically found myself oddly distracted this week while trying to prepare this message. 
And I couldn't help but laugh and say, God, what are you trying to do here? I'm trying to like, we're trying to present ethically your word here to God's people. And, and so I'll just, I'll just own from the beginning, I struggle. I struggle a lot with distraction. And I have to work hard to kind of focus on what I am, uh, what I'm doing. Uh, would you guys agree with me for a moment? Just grab your phones out of your pocket. This, come on, this is an all play right now. You gotta grab a, a, a purse, whatever you have to do. Grab your phone, your iPhone. Many, many of you have iPhones. Just kind of hold it up, show me. Would you guys agree with me for a moment that this is probably one of the easiest and best symbols of distraction in our day and age? Yeah, like overwhelming. I, I don't have to give you too many. I don't have to convince you guys too much that this is probably the biggest distraction. Now, we're in a moment gonna head into two books. Ephesians, we're gonna pick back up as a church in the book of Ephesians after having some guest speakers. Uh, there's more to be said from that book. And then we're gonna look at a passage from Luke. And I just wanna change the territory of our hearts, the, the grounds by which we're walking off for a moment. So if you guys would trust me, and if you're saying, hey, I wanna change the state by which I'm listening today, I wanna kind of throw myself a curveball. I wanna invite you guys to turn off your phones just to change the state of our heartbeats for a moment. So go ahead and go there. Uh, I know many of you are like, how do you turn off your iPhone? So I, I thought this would be helpful. Like, this is, this is what those two buttons are for, not just volume. So I'm powering mine down with you. Go to the next slide, because people, there's like three options that appear. That's the one you're looking for right there. Slide there for power off. I know some of you, it's like, when was the last time you did this? Uh, my hope this morning is that we would hear from God in a fresh way. Now, some of you uh, just faked like you were turning off your phones. That's between you and the Lord. Others of you have kids and kids ministries and you turned off your phone. Turn it back on. What if they need you? <laughs> Come on, that's like a violation. The question, the, the title of today's message is this. Are you distracted? Are you distracted? And, I, and I'll go first. Yeah, I, I struggle with distractions. Uh, if, if you've ever uh, had to ask that question, like what several times to somebody, maybe somebody in your relationship with, like, what was that? I missed it. You might be distracted. If you're convinced the person talking to you in your home is probably whispering against a wall in the furthest room of your house when they want your attention, you might have a problem with distraction because if there's anything I've realized lately in my life, it's that it's not often, it's not always the, the volume of the person talking to me. What I've come to terms with recently is it the fact that my mind is often somewhere else. And so often in our walks with Christ, we go, God, I don't, I don't hear you. And, and the truth is, I don't think God has an, has an issue with being loud enough. I think the, the, the challenge is, I have a question, I have a challenge of being distracted to hear the voice of God. And so I don't know if you're feeling like you're distracted with your kids, with your spouse, work, job, or most importantly, your faith. But this morning, God has something to say to us. We, we live in a distracted world. It's the number one reason. Our phones are actually the number one reason for car accidents today. In 2000, 2018, 2019, they saw a 10% increase, a 10% increase in accidents because of this. Email and uh, phones cause a 10 point IQ drop. And then the researchers would state that's double the IQ drop of smoking marijuana. Isn't that interesting? Now, don't, don't go trading habits here. Just interesting fact. They report, I don't know how they get this number, but it's interesting that uh, distractions cost companies today $650 million. Some of you are like, I don't know about that. Just, are you distracted in your jobs? 
Do you ever find yourself wasting some time, right? Like distractions are all around us. The first thought this morning, I'm gonna give you five very simple thoughts is this, distractions are real. And I think we can all agree that distractions are real and they're around us. And so if you're here and if you can relate and you feel like you've been easily distracted in some relationships lately, like this scripture this morning is for you. If you're, if you're thinking, yeah, there's, there's some big distractions and I can name them in my mind that I need to come to terms with Today is for you. And if you're, this is probably the most important one, if you're actually curious about what you might have been missing from what God's been trying to tell you because you're distracted in your life, this morning might be a chance to start to regain some of that ground in hearing from the Lord. So we're gonna uh, flip to Ephesians uh, 5. Let me, let me just pray for us as we go there, though. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for those online. God, we ask that, Lord, you would speak now to us through the the scriptures. That, God, you would challenge our hearts, that you would inspire our hearts in maybe a fresh way. We ask this in your name. Amen. So as a church, we were in the book of Ephesians right before some guest speakers came. And by way of reminder, the first half of Ephesians is largely gospel explanation. Gospel explanation of the good news that God loves you and I. And that despite our sin that separates us from God, that God sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the hope of the world. I am the way to life and life eternal. For those who place their faith in me, man, we will step into eternity both today and when we pass. That's the good news. And so the whole first half of the book explains that. And then the second half of Ephesians is like, okay, that's gospel explanation. Now we're gonna step into gospel application. Like, what do you do now with that? Like you've been a recipient, but now what? Now here's the deal, gospel application, like what we do with it never can earn gospel explanation. That's just the gift of God through grace alone. But there is a way that we are invited to step into, a way of life that we are invited into. And so we're gonna pick up in chapter five, verse 15, and Paul writes this. He says, all right, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. I love how he begins off like, be careful then how you walk. Can everybody say walk? All right, it was okay. There was one person a little behind, but we're there. Walk. Hey, there's a kind of a Christianese question that you may have heard. Maybe someone's asked you before, like, hey, Dave, how's your walk with Christ going? We've got some of those funny sayings. But I'll be honest with you, that's a really helpful question. Like, it's a really, like, insightful one. I think it comes from Ephesians 5, like, be careful how you walk. And so I'd ask you guys, like, how is your walk with Jesus going? Now, I'd venture to say all of us are in maybe slightly different places, but none of us are alone in the place that we're at. Some of us would say, my walk's going okay. Like, it's just like a B. Like, we're, we're journeying. Some of you would say, uh, my walk's going great. Like, I am like on fire for what God is doing in my life. And I'm the biggest recipient of grace. Some of you would say, uh, my walk with Christ, like, I am tripping up. Some of you would say, like, I got, some, I got some bumps and some bruises, some scars to show in my journey. Others of you would say, like, what walk? I'm not, I'm not walking with Jesus. I'm just here because someone so dragged me here. How's our walk with Jesus? The Christian life is a walk. And it's not often an easy one at that. I'll tell you about time. I got invited on this journey on this walk, a little more of a hike, 
uh, by my cousin, Anthony. Uh, you see, he had a bucket list goal to climb what's called the stairway to heaven in Oahu. I was like, dude, the stairway to heaven, there's no stairs. You just, you just give your life to Christ. No, no. But he's like, it's a bucket list, beautiful hike. Let me tell you about this hike, okay? Here's the deal. It was a, a staircase that was built in 1942 to be a top secret Navy communications outpost. Let me show you a photo just to give you an idea of the very top of it. So this is what it looks like. This is like 5% of, the, of the, the journey here to get to that top post, okay? There are 3,900 steps from the bottom to the top. To give you some perspective, the Twin Towers were about 2,000 steps. So it's about twice the height of those buildings, okay? That's the journey. That's the, like, wouldn't you hate to have that assignment in the military? Hey, get up there. So he's like, I wanna climb that. Now here's the deal, it's illegal. About 15 years ago, it was, it was deemed illegal, and they would post a police officer there to this day about 100 steps up. So like right when you just start to break a sweat, they're like $1,000 ticket. And so the trick is, if you actually want to experience the beauty of the view and kind of play around the structure, you actually have to go all the way up on the backside. Now the backside's like, they, the police don't even waste their time. It's like, if you're willing to do that, like you're going to accomplish it. Because it's a six mile arduous journey to make it to that point. And I say arduous because like it's not well maintained paths. There's high winds, deep mud, Hawaiian weather. And so my cousin's like, we're doing that. I said, okay. So he decides to be smart, and at least in his mind, and he hires a guide via Instagram. Very reliable uh, pathway to hiring a guide. And the guide asks us to be at this random parking lot in this small cul-de-sac, like straight out of Leave it to Beaver at 4 a.m. to start our hike. And so we sneak into this cul-de-sac. They don't like pedestrians starting the hike here. They kind of know it's the secret way up. We park our car, we walk around. I'm like, there's nobody here. Instagram just shammed us. Right, there goes our money. And uh, we look around about 10 minutes later, a couple other strangers arrive. None of them are the guide, but they're also there to meet the guide. I'm like, it's a good sham, okay? And then sure enough, the guide does arrive. And he's kind of quiet, but he just starts giving us careful instruction. Now, it starts to drizzle some rain. There's some puddles. And we begin the hike. Like, there's no orientation. I'm thinking, aren't we going to do like a name game, kind of find out the skill sets of people, how much water rations we have? No, it's like, they just start. So I'm like, okay, let's keep up. Now, I trained for this six, 12-mile round trip by doing about a two-mile run once a week. So I felt like I was ready. We start the journey. And at first, I'm trying to stay clean, trying to keep my, 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 my shoes clean. But pretty soon, this is what the journey begins to look like. And I had no idea what I was in for. This is just one of the several ridges we had to traverse. With 60 mile per hour winds, people are, are down on their hands and knees. Okay, we can do another photo. Here we go. Uh, I mean, they're literally crawling at one point, people in our group. Go to the next photo. I mean, this is just a picture of me. I'm smiling, but you can see my hair. I'm, I haven't gained extra weight. That's the wind taking my jacket there in my hair. And I zoomed in on my shoes because I will tell you this, the whole time I was reflecting, my gosh, I'm glad we hired a guide because I can't tell you how often it was like, come to a four-way turn and it was like, lift this branch and go that way. And I thought we could, we could never figure this out. And the whole time we're on the hike, the guide is giving us incredible information. And at one point he pulls out these spikes that go over your shoes. And he's like, you, you really won't complete it without these. And so we stick these, uh, these spikes onto our shoes and now we're able to get like four wheel drive through this mud to use our energy the right way. And here's the interesting thing. Throughout that hike, I'm giving thanks for the spikes and I'm watching pedestrians who didn't hire a guide coming back down the mountain that started earlier than us, like 3 a.m. with frowns on their faces, covered in dirt, some missing a shoe 
because they didn't have a guide, because they didn't have traction for the climb that was in front of them. I've never been more thankful for the wisdom of a guide. I think some of us have been losing some traction in our walks with God. I think some of us have been losing some traction and we're not really sure who or where to turn. Some of uh, Something may have happened in your journey with Christ and it's, it's caused you to slow down. It's caused you to take some bumps and bruises. Some of you, it's, it's maybe what's not happening in your walks with Christ and you're losing some traction in that journey. Others of us, you feel really isolated on this journey. You're like, I feel like I'm, I'm doing this climb and I'm the only one in my family who knows Jesus. And that's kind of isolating. Or I'm the only one in my office, I'm the only one of my friends who's like trusted the Lord with my life. And it's, it's wearing on me, Dave. Like it's wearing on me and I'm losing traction. I'm, I'm burning out. And I don't know where you're at, but traction matters in our journey. And the good news that you and I have is that we, we, do, we do have a guide, right? His name's Jesus. And what I love about Jesus is he came down to earth, that he knows us and that he walks with us. And I think oftentimes we're liable of trying to do the Christian walk on our own strength. But Jesus says, hey, I wanna lead and guide you. One of the things I like about Jesus was in the years throughout his public ministry, he was actually known for getting away from distractions. Like that was paramount to his walk with the father as it says in scripture, he would escape to the wilderness away from the crowds to what? To talk with the father. Our guide is an example of how we're to look to him. We're gonna pick back up in Ephesians right here. And it says this in verse 16, right? Make the best use of your time. Look out for distractions. Why? Because the days are evil. Like meaning there are distractions all around you, in your pockets, right beside you. I mean, some of them are good, some of them aren't so good, but there are distractions and we are challenged to make the best use of our time. Verse 17, it goes, like this is the real why, like why to listen up, verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish. None of us wanna be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay. Why this matters, why we want to pay attention to our walk and the traction that we have in journeying with Christ is because it's the gateway to hearing from God. And all of us have things in our life every day where you say, you'd probably say, Dave, I wish I could hear more of God in my life. I wish I could hear more of his hopes, his like, hey, what decisions should I make? I wish I could feel more connected and in touch with God. And so taking our walk serious is, is important. Uh, point number two is distractions will threaten your walk. And we just have to own that as we take this journey. All right, we're gonna look at one of the best examples in scripture of how to deal with distractions and how not to deal with distractions. We're gonna turn to the book of Luke. If you have a Bible, don't, don't turn to your phone. I mean, that would be weird right now, right? Uh, we're gonna turn to the book of Luke, uh, chapter 10, verse 38. It's a story, it's a common story of Mary and, and Martha. And something interesting we're gonna maybe notice for the first time happens. It says this, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Okay, uh, 10 points for Martha. She invites Jesus in. Scripture continues. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha, it says, was distracted with much serving. I'll just say that one more time. Martha was 
distracted with much serving. And so she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Jesus, could, could you just go tell her to give me a hand? Scripture continues. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Anytime someone says your name twice, not good news. Jesus does it too. Martha, Martha, hey, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. All right, let's tear that apart for just a moment. Martha is clearly distracted. Why is she distracted? She's feeling anxious. You guys ever feel anxious? She's feeling anxious. Why? Because she's got this dinner to prepare for these guests. But, but really, why is she distracted? It's not, it's not just the dinner. She's anxious and distracted by the dinner. Why? Because she's worried what people are probably gonna think of her, right? You guys been there? That's like the, that's like the root. Like, what are they gonna think of my ability as, as a host? And so we come to this moment. And I'll say this, I, our fears often reveal our distractions in our life, I, right? Like our fears often will reveal the things that are gonna distract us. But we come to this moment where we start in the beginning where Martha invites Jesus in. And I'll just say that's, that's incredible. And many of you have invited Jesus into your life. Most of us have maybe made that decision. But we're liable of being like Martha where we invite him in, but we spend our lives in a different room. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like it's incredible that she invites him in, but like if you don't sit at his feet, like you're gonna miss a lot of what he has for us. And then Martha, not just that, she doesn't just kind of leave him in a different room, but what, she gets a little heated. She's like, hey, this, this dinner's not gonna cook itself. Any, anybody say that before? Mary, what do you, come on, snap, snap, get in here. In fact, she goes into the other room and she said, Jesus, like get, get Mary in here. And I can imagine Mary like, shh, Martha, you're, you're embarrassing me. Like, do you know who we have with us right now? But Martha just plows through that. Like, Jesus, you got to help her out. And then Jesus opens his mouth. And it's always great when Jesus opens his mouth. He essentially says, Martha, we'll use DoorDash. Sit down right here. Mary has chosen what's important. Isn't that like a beautiful moment? Okay, I want to just kind of dig into two aspects of distraction from that story. The first is this. Distraction is at least the dangerous kind. And this might be a good photo for some people. You might need to return to this. Don't, you can't take a photo. I'm sorry, that was rude. <laughs> Distraction is, the dangerous kind, is shifting our attention from something of greater importance to something of lesser importance. Can we agree with that? Let me see some head nods. Don't nod until you get it. Shifting our distraction, the dangerous type is shifting our attention from something of greater importance to something of lesser importance. And so that's the reason that you have this feeling at the end of your day where maybe you felt like I was glued to my device and like, ah, oh, I missed a chance to interact with my kids. And you have this like part of your stomach that doesn't feel good. Why? Because you realize we're smart people that you traded something that was of greater importance for something of lesser. Just like Martha traded doing cooking dinner, lesser importance, for sitting with Jesus, greater importance. It's reverse priorities. Now, this is the moment where I want to flip the script a little bit. And I actually want to point something out to us that's interesting. Mary was also distracted. Mary was also distracted, but like not a bad type of distraction, 
but Mary was also distracted. And so I actually want to, like, looking at Mary's life, I want to give you another way of looking at distraction. Distraction can be the non-dangerous kind, shifting our attention from something of any importance to something of greater importance. Are we tracking? It's shifting our attention from something of any importance. And by way of of culture, Mary should have been in that kitchen. She should have been culturally helping prepare the meal for their house guests. It was incredibly out of character for her to be ignoring that. But why? Because she noticed something of far greater importance was before her and she prioritized that. Point number three this morning is that the key to traction, traction in your walk with God is to choose your distraction. I, a lot of times, or not a lot of times, coming into this message, I didn't want to just spend the whole time being like, hey, can you guys just quit being distracted? <laughs> it's like, I felt like I'll just lose that war as a pastor. So I, I chose a different route. I said, hey, I think like what would happen if we started to choose the things that we are distracted by? I want to introduce to you the Mary principle, just, just, just to summarize it again. The Mary principle is this. Number one, get distracted by Jesus. That's what Mary did. She allowed herself to be more distracted by Jesus than anything else in the moment. And number two, distract others with Jesus. You know what she did? She started to distract Martha and actually eventually drew Martha into the scene. Let me hit number one, get distracted by Jesus. Friends, I want to invite us this morning to consider what it would look like to be more distracted by Jesus. I don't know what that looks like for you, but here's a couple ways. Number one, have you like played around with a fun, deep, hard question about your faith lately? Like I know this is maybe a little risky for me to say, but like if you haven't wrestled with something in your faith theologically, find something to wrestle with. Like make yourself a little bit uncomfortable where it drives you towards uh, like a little bit of like your own Bible study because you want to tackle it. You want to unpack it. Like reawaken curiosity in your relationship with Christ. Uh, maybe it's positioning reminders that will distract you heavenward. Uh, I keep like a Bible and a devotional either on a, a side table by a chair in our family room or on the island in our kitchen. It's kind of two places that I'll, I'll kind of trade between spending time with God in the morning. Here's the beautiful thing. One, it's a reminder. Two, it's like a healthy guilt trip if I skip it because I'm stuck walking by it every day. Have you guys set up some, some things that will distract your mind and heart towards Christ? What does that look like? Uh, and oftentimes it looks like like, your environment. So like come fall, like joining a group, finding a team to serve on. Who are the people around you? They're, are they going to distract you towards or away from, from Jesus? Let me ask you guys this. Um, how, do you, how do you usually end up giving your attention to God? Isn't that an interesting question? Like how does God end up either getting or you end up giving your attention? Some of you, it's like, hey, Dave, I I, God grabs my attention when I'm out in creation. Like when I'm out on a beautiful hike, like he's got me. Some of you, it's like, hey, it's time of worship. Others of you, it's like a great book that you maybe have or devotional. Some of us would say, hey, when there's like a big need in my life, when we're struggling, I tend to like, God tends to have my attention then. Some of you, it's like, no, like when tragedy hits me or our world, I start to, I start to think about my faith. I don't know how God's getting your attention, but I think the challenge this morning is to think about how you can continue to be more distracted by him in your life. And then number two, the outflow of that, as we begin to be more distracted by Jesus, number two starts to happen, we'll distract others with Jesus. 
there is room for the gospel to become more of a distraction in our culture today. There is more room for more grace and love to be kind of known. We, we live and we walk and we operate in a really messy world and culture today, don't we? It's just, it's just, we're in it, guys. And there has never been more space and margin for us to be ambassadors of the reminder that God sees, loves, and forgives the world around us. You know what happens when we do that? Start to distract people. People become curious about Jesus when we begin to share with them that they're loved, forgiven, seen, and known. I'm gonna invite the band to come up and uh, I've just got a little bit more I wanna share as we marinate on this idea of distractions. I know this, that, that walking with Christ is like not an easy journey and it often doesn't go the way that you and I anticipate or expect. So my cousin and I are on this hike, stairway to heaven, six miles out. We make it to the top using a little bit too much water than we didn't have for the way down. That's a long story. And uh, we make it to the summit and we're exhausted. And this is a, a moment. This is a view. This is the picture right here. You can see 60 mile per hour winds taking our hair. We look excited. But the truth is there was also this war in our minds between uh, gratefulness that we made it and frustration that we just flew all the way to this island, did the hardest hike of our lives for no view. It sucked in. Zero visibility up there. And so we get up there. My cousin kind of bankrolled the whole trip. So I'm like trying to be a good sport. I'm like, it's okay. This is awesome. And I'm, you know, it's like, I'm trying, like, I, it's a heart journey. I am trying to choose thankful. And we did. We chose thankfulness and we had a good time. It was freezing cold. And there was no view. And we're up there and we're taking photos. And we're, we have 45 minutes before our guys, like, we got to start making our descent back down to try to skip some other weather. And so we're up there. And what's crazy is in the last five minutes at the top of this journey, I hear somebody out of the corner of my ear says, hey, it looks like the weather's moving. And I'm thinking that's going to take like all day. Like, that's great. We have to go. And I kind of come out, we were inside that little communications office. It's just, it's just stone, right? And we walk outside and here's the view we see. Isn't that interesting? Like it just changed like that. And we just got to take in the whole island that we were on. There's something powerful in our walks with Christ, despite zero visibility or a beautiful view about you and I choosing to be thankful. In fact, I share that with you because it's not my idea. It's God's idea. And in Ephesians 5, a few verses down, in verse 20, Paul writes it. On behalf of God, he says, hey, giving thanks always is the mandate. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes, friends, I'm challenging you to watch out how you walk to watch out how you use your time. The days are evil. Distractions are all around you. And one of the, the keys, one of the indicators of a life distracted by Jesus is a life that's just thankful. A life that's thankful always. And I know this, in this last week alone, you guys have had things not go according to plan, I imagine. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's a trip. You've had unmet expectations. And it's, we have like an opportunity in those moments, right? We can complain, which I'm liable of doing, 
Or I can try to choose to challenge and stretch my heart to a posture of thankfulness. Why am I thankful? Because I'm thankful ultimately for what Christ has done for me. I'm thankful for the cross. I'll ask you again, are you distracted? Are you distracted? See, the challenge this morning is to look at cutting out some of the dangerous distractions. Maybe think of two, two dangerous distractions that you need to work on, tell somebody. But more importantly, to look at some of the the Christ-honoring distractions you actually need to start weaving into the fabric of your life. It's an incredible opportunity. Here's the mandate. Here's the closing mandate invitation is let's get distracted by the cross. I've been following Jesus for a long time now and I'll just be the first to admit it's actually relatively easy for what Christ did for me on the cross to lose some of its value. Like it's, it's possible for me to, to lose some of the, the things like, like the passion, the excitement and the gratefulness I first had when I gave my life to Christ. Maybe, maybe you can relate. And that's one of the many reasons why we weekly want to return to the gospel on Sundays, why we return to the good news, because I think we always need a fresh encounter and reminder of our first love. Reminds me that uh, this tradition I developed with Katie, anytime we go somewhere, you know that moment where you maybe drive to the ocean, you get there, you're going to spend the day at the beach and you get there and that first glimpse of the magnificentness of the ocean, you guys know that feeling where you get to a view and it just strikes you, like you're awestruck immediately. Maybe you're going somewhere on a vacation this summer. Maybe you're there right now online and you get there and you're like, man, I'm at the lake and this view is going to be incredible all week. And that first moment is electric. And then time goes on and your whole time there, it's, it's beautiful, right? You appreciate it, but not the same as when you first arrived. There's just, there's just no replacement. You guys ever experienced that before? So out of, out of a place of wanting to re- deeper appreciate these moments, I told Katie one day, about three years ago, I said, Katie, we were in this beautiful view. We'd been there all day. I said, do me a favor, close your eyes. I had her close her eyes. I did it with her. I said, we're gonna close our eyes for 30 seconds. Just count silently and then slowly reopen your eyes. And we did that. We closed our eyes and we cut out all the distractions around us. We were basically doing a hard reboot on our minds. And we opened up our eyes and the view that had been before us all day, all of a sudden felt brand new. And it was like that electricity came back. Today, I want us to figure out when we allow Christ to be the distraction in our life, it's as if we're re-electrifying that love within our lives. And so here's what's gonna happen. In a few moments, we're gonna... Uh, take communion together. And I'm going to invite you to have a private moment with the Lord where you'll have communion. But before you do that, I'm going to ask all of us, this is just like the second way, I'm going to push us outside our comfort zone, to close our eyes for 30 seconds. Not a quick 30, like a a good 30 seconds. And then I'm going to ask that you would slowly open your eyes, spend a moment, don't have to rush into it, and then when you're ready to enjoy communion. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.